Hello and welcome to episode 199 of the Rollo and Slappy Show. Today is May 18th, 2020. I am Rollo McFlugel and with me is Slappy Jones 2. Show notes page for this episode will be mcflugel.com slash 199 where you should check out our sponsor libertymugs.com where you can buy awesome libertarian themed and bitcoin themed mugs. I don't want Slappy to uh, actually me again this episode with that. But uh, and also you're going to be able to check out our. Uh, you did it properly this time. Yes, check out our uh, our guest for this episode. So why don't you introduce him, Slappy? Yeah, our guest today, return guest, Mr. Sue. Welcome back to the no, show. No, this is not a return guest. We haven't had Mr. Sue on. No, first time. All right. How about that? Well, welcome back to the show. <laughs> welcome back because we probably had you. I've been here in spirit the whole yes, time. Yes, you have been. You know what um, he does? He um he listens to the show and just uh mutes when you talk and talks over. So he's it's like the the slappy or the the, the Rollo and Phil show. Yeah, I yeah. Um no, well welcome to the show for the first time. <laughs> Thank you guys. I'm yeah. very no, we're to- going- here for the first time it feels yeah. like the first time <laughs> well we're going to be talking about bitcoin a little bit um ha- and i guess we'll start off mr sue who you're rel- you would say you're relatively new to bitcoin correct oh uh, yes and no so let's hear about how yes. you got into it when, yeah no. so if you want to call me like a bitcoin maximal or I guess Bitcoin realist, or just, you know, the right way to think about things. Uh, I guess we can call that the end of October, beginning of November. And, uh, you know, quote unquote crypto was on my radar maybe a year or so before that. And I just didn't touch it because I thought it was too complicated and technical and all of that. And the short story of it is... Guy Swan, his podcast, yeah. sent me down the rabbit hole. And also, I was, or I am a libertarian, but even when I say that statement, I identify more as a Bitcoiner because it just makes sense. But the cool thing about Bitcoin is, like, you don't have to be a libertarian. You kind of become one by default in a way, though, kind of like before you're Ill- into that, you know, Austrian train of thought or Bitcoin or you're a default Keynesian. So it's kind of like you become just like default, like freedom and independent as a Bitcoiner, uh, no matter what branch of political spectrums you come from or whatever. But short, short story long is I heard Guy Swan. Um, but let's, where do I start with this? Okay. So I started with, having Vin Armani on my podcast talk about crypto, uh, in particular when Facebook was coming out with Libra mm-hmm. and being like an ANCAP, whatever, I was scared because like, oh, crypto and Bitcoin and, you know, this FU, no taxes, this, this is my money kind of stuff. Well, the states are going to come in and like take that away and blah, 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 because big mean Facebook and the um, uh, uh, Atlantic Convention or whatever kooky 
thing you want to uh, fud about that. So I'm like, Vin, come on my show and talk about this so I can like learn. And you know, I didn't know shit about like crypto or Bitcoin. And uh, I just thought it was cool because the idea of having this separation of money and state is just liberating and empowering to the individual. And when I heard about the whole Bitcoin, like cash versus Bitcoin core thing, I lean more towards the Bitcoin cashness because basically I thought it was kind of like a revolution of the B catchers going against like the conservative old fart Bitcoin core people uh, about, Oh yeah, we're not going to let you have big blocks because you know, you suck, <laughs> you know, something more, more uh, sophisticated of that argument, but let's just, just stick with that. And then it wasn't until I had Sal on a couple times he wrote an essay, uh, Sal Mayweather, Sal the Agorist, uh, which, by the way, I, you know, those dudes are awesome. It was Vin who inspired me to go to the first like Bitcoin meetup in Austin, and Sal just made me ask more questions. And it was the questions of like, well, why not Bitcoin Core over Bitcoin Cash? Because Sal was giving me these ideas of what he thought, because he wrote a essay called the economics of bitcoin maximalism <laughs> go check that out i had a episode with him on it uh talking about that it's called uh b bch versus btc i think is the episode name and then basically yeah guys if i can argued, interrupt here real quick yeah, guy, Swan, guy swan read that on his show and uh critique yes i was gonna get that yeah <laughs> oh, sorry that's what sent me down the guy swan rabbit hole but basically oh really yeah. Okay. Oh, so it, it gets better. It gets better. Okay. I'm yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Let, let, oh, gonna, this, let me let me not jump cool. ahead of you and let you just talk. That's <laughs> no, okay. Uh, I I could be a lot more articulate about this, but you know no, whatever. No, no. All right. So if you keep Sal, interrupting him, he's not going to come back on our show again. Yeah. This will be the first time for the last time. <laughs> like in Spaceballs. Dark helmet. Me for the first time for the last time. Um, so where do I go from here? Where do we go? Where do we go now? Ow, wow, wow, where do we go? Okay, so basically, Sal's thesis for that article that he wrote, the Economics of Bitcoin Maximalism, is basically BCH is more saleable than BTC, basically because there's a burden around the the fees you have to pay, and I don't know, go listen to his him on my show, and go listen to guys read of it because it was a guy that I heard and was skeptical about just because, you know, I, to be honest, I thought the Bitcoin people were just kind of chauvinistic assholes to be honest. And, you know, this is just me like not understanding what Bitcoin means. And I wanted to be honest and open with myself and really dive down like the rabbit hole. What's, what does Bitcoin have that, BCH doesn't. And um, I listened to an episode of Guy reading that critique, and it was just kind of like out of vanity, like a shameless plug, because in Sal's article, he was like, listen to this episode of me on a boy named Sue, where I talk about this, uh, that being in the article. So I'm like, oh, that got my attention. I got like a secondhand shout out. I'll listen. And it just kind of made sense of like the importance of the uh, having a strong network and you know the further down i went i just wanted to like prove myself wrong 
And when you actually realize how Bitcoin is the true and one and only Bitcoin of being this immutable, decentralized, purely decentralized ledger with no point of failure and having this digital gold aspect and the incentive structure around it, it's like there's so see, it's hard for me to explain right now because there are so many beautiful aspects that are kind of complex about Bitcoin. But at the end of the day, Bitcoin is beautifully simple because it does one thing and one thing only. And uh, shit, maybe that's not even true. But essentially... I agree, I agree. It only does really... Sound money, you know, that 21 million cap. I mean, there was an article that Nick Carter wrote about a peaceful revolution where he says, I hope this is the right article, but he says that, you know... Bitcoin isn't the supply cap. The supply cap is Bitcoin. And just how the strong consensus around the Bitcoin network makes it damn near impossible for that inflation to occur. And what's even cooler about that is how the Bitcoin core people, plain and simple, came out and said, hey, there was an inflation bug. Just having that like open transparency just makes the network stronger. And then going through a fucking Bitcoin, simply, I can swear on this, right? Yeah, it's fine. Okay, I'll, I'll keep it down for for the, for the kids. Sorry. Anyway, um, so it, it's it's just beautiful, man. It's fuck it, I'll swear. It Bitcoin's fuck you money. If anything, it's fuck you money. It's fuck you money in the way that this is my money. I own it. I own the private keys. No one else does. You need to point a fucking gun to head, threaten me to give you up my private seed. Hell, if I even remembered it, hopefully I remember where I hid that paper or, you know, I had the steel plant or uh, whatever. But, you know. Don't give it away. Don't give it away. (laughs) Look into Casa or Unchained Capital and get your shit figured out. But it's just so powerful how it is purely censorship, I'll say resistant. It's not censorship proof, but it's censorship resistant. It's yours and it's reliable. And it's it's why we're here um (laughs) it solves the central banking problem and you know people are starting to actually question you know there's no there's no point in infinicash if you can just print what they tax us you know and it's just starting to make people question and think and especially with this year and you know corona bullshit people are starting to wake up a little bit and Bitcoin provides a safe haven where it's always going to be there no matter what FUD goes, comes its way. And it works. It, the fact that it works for criminals on the dark market means that it works and goddamn, we're probably all going to be in, in the dark market because of economic restrictions. So people might have to actually land on Bitcoin as medium of exchange. <laughs> you hear that alt corners? Um, we might actually use it as a medium of exchange. God damn it, we use it as a medium of exchange right now. You what can download. I mean, what else yeah. could be possibly used as if a not a medium of exchange? Where you can you can sell your fiat for Bitcoin, and you know what? You're gonna be profiting. I've been profiting by putting my wealth into Bitcoin and watching my fiat number go up. But what doesn't change is Bitcoin, the satoshis that I bought. And that's never going to change because Bitcoin is immutable. You can't fuck it up. Okay, like you can in ways like out of our control because of humans, 
But that's the beauty of Bitcoin because it's honest and transparent. And it's the first true embodiment of free market capitalism. It is a safe haven in the fact that on March 12th, when it took a giant dump in our eyes, it was a goddamn sale. I wish I was super more bullish and bought a whole, a whole lot more than I did. You know, a humble like just mere 200 bucks uh, when it went down. But um, what that proved is that... Yeah, it is kind of like gold. It's digital gold, if anything. And old school legacy investors relied on that to cash out. So they'd be prepared. They would have cash that they could rely on come bloody Monday next week or whatever. So it was a safe ha safe haven in that where it provided something that the legacy markets couldn't. It operates 24-7, 365. It doesn't run on the same goddamn time scale as the DMV does. It's always there, and it doesn't give a shit. It's permissionless, and that's what is cool about it. And there's no central point of failure like a Bcash, like an Ethereum. There's no CEO of Bitcoin. That's like the – aside from the other stuff I said, that's one of the main differences that pre-coiners and new coiners or anyone – actually, I won't say anyone because I, I will lump up Bitcoiners. But most people – let go to the wayside is that if you have a central point of failure, the government can go take them out. And that's why Satoshi kind of dipped in 2010 because wasn't uh, Mark Andreessen, he went to the FBI and uh, it was a CIA he went to, but yeah, mm -hmm. he went to one of the ABCs. Yeah. But basically if you are the face of Bitcoin, you're fucked. Okay. <laughs> so that's, Bitcoin's the one example of a true decentralized money that we have and that we can rely on. And Bitcoin, hyper-Bitcoinization might not happen tomorrow. God forbid it does, because honestly, we're not ready. We might be able to suffice, but we've really got to work on our stuff and, you know, more people need to learn how to code. And all the Ethereans, we need to hopefully persuade them and have them see the light because there's a lot of talent out there. And they can be developing awesome stuff on top of Lightning or, you know, adjacent to Bitcoin, whether it be side chains or whatever. You know, it's it's really easy and fun to poke fun at these altcoiners. But at the end of the day, there's just unique individuals operating in as free of a market as we can get. And unfortunately, understanding Austrian economics is pretty difficult if you are just so used to the uh, dumbness that they program into your school in these public indoctrination camps that we call school. <laughs> so it, it's just really hard to just unlearn and leave your default Keynesian life and to, to just accept what is actually natural, which is just Austrian economics and human incentive. So, you know, it's my, it's my, fantasy to to encourage people working on ethereum or any other coin uh to start working on bitcoin but at the end of the day i don't know who's funding their projects but there obviously obviously must be some sort of other party and we all know as good austrians that people are driven by incentives so maybe there's financial in incentive that's keeping them there so i don't know that's another rant uh, aside but one thing the one thing that really turned me on to Bitcoin was was the customer experience, the use case, the eureka moment. 
And that's when I actually used Bitcoin as a medium of exchange to buy a VPN. Now, caveat right here, I was buying this VPN because I planned on buying some shit coins, which I did buy some shit coins, but I got rid of those shit coins. Well, most of the shit coins. I still have some bat, which I can't fucking get rid of because I need ETH for gas. And I'm very upset about that. It's like a waste of 15 bucks. Okay. You can buy some precious sats for that 15 bucks. But I was planning on buying these, uh, I was pl planning on buying a VPN so I could buy some shit coins on Binance or whatever because, you know, I, I had Donnie Geber on the show and wh I, what he said on, uh, on Freeman Beyond the Wall was I thought compelling of a fiat apocalypse happening, uh, you know, currently happening, you could argue. And what he thought was, you know, instead of like an SDR basket of currencies, then, you know, the world financial government IMF or, you know, whatever new world order you want to be the uh, proxy here, they would lean on a basket of cryptocurrencies like SIS or BAT or something or other. So I kind of got like feared into buying a VPN so I could hide my identity and like, safely buy off and exchange all these shit coins so when shit hits the fan i'm protected financially and uh yeah that was not the right way to go about that and to think about that but one of the big hit me in the face moments was when i actually used bitcoin to buy my vpn off of nord because i tried to use a credit card and debit card and I got a notification saying, like, you need to call your bank or something, blah, blah, So <clears throat> picked up the phone. Lady answered the phone after waiting 20 minutes on hold. And, you know, she was going back and forth, putting me on hold, taking me off hold, looking into what was going on. And I came to the conclusion in my head, like, hey, it's probably because I'm buying a VPN. And the powers that be don't want me to protect myself and don't want me to hide from them. And everything I do financially is their fucking business, apparently. So that's probably why. And she's like, yeah, that's probably why. Um, I didn't tell that to her. But um, uh, needless to say, I ended that conversation. And I was planning on buying Bitcoin anyway. Because, uh, funny enough, all roads lead to Bitcoin when you have to buy shit coins. Uh, I don't, can you buy shit coins directly with fiat? Or, like, do you need Bitcoin first? Uh, no, I think there's some services that you can just get, like Coinbase. You can, I mean, they advertise yeah. buying their garbage. Yeah, I thought so. But, like, I don't know. But, I mean, needless to say, I was going to buy but It's the Bitcoin most liquid. I mean, it's by far the most liquid thing. So, I mean, yeah. at most trades, you have to trade Bitcoin, you know. There's not many other yeah. trading pairs. Yeah. So anyway, I'm there at the checkout and I see, uh, you know, my cards aren't going through. And then the cryptocurrency options are ba -ba -da -ba, a Bitcoin on top, Ethereum next, and then fucking Ripple after that. And I'm like, well, I was going to buy this shit anyway. So I bought the VPN's worth and then and then some just for safekeeping. So, uh, yeah, I had Bitcoin and it happened like. Just like that. Uh, I guess I'm going to say immediately. I don't know. It was pretty damn fast. And it was just such... It was such a power high, man. Like, I felt so lib liberated, so in control of my 
finances, my life, my autonomy as an individual, choosing to do what I want without asking anyone's permission. And I think that's when, you know, the gear started to turn in my head, like, you know, Bitcoin can't really be that bad. Like, why would anyone just like talk shit on this? It's like, why does it cost the most? Why does it have the largest market cap? Why is it the thing? Because it was the first one here? Like, yeah, arguably, but, you know, there's Bitgold and Hashcash and eMoney and, you know, implementations before that. And, you know, Satoshi Nakamoto was just some dude that, you know, just like any band, any great bands influenced by a bunch of other bands and or any artist takes influential ideas from the people that they look up to. And he just threw all these pieces together and made something beautiful. So, you know, whether or not it's some, if Bitcoin is some psyop that is funded by the government, uh, I don't think that's really the case. And I don't think that's reasonable enough excuse to poo-poo Bitcoin and why it's evil. And the whole argument of like 99% of the wallets own, no, like 1% of the wallets own like 99% of the Bitcoin. I don't know. I don't really buy that. And if that is true, I, I don't think that is taking into account the amount of people that leave their coin on exchanges. And I don't think that takes account for the amount of people that are hodling and the small percentage of people that actually understand what this stuff is about. So long story short, that's my road to Bitcoin so far. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I never heard that 99%. I've heard something about it, but it's always met with like someone trying to explain what that actually means. Um, since it is, uh, I don't know. We don't need to get into that. What I wanted to mention, um, well, one, just talking about your experience with uh, getting you know your credit card and your bank interfering with your VPN purchase. I had had a couple recent uh, experiences where you realize how much Bitcoin is better. Even right now, everyone complains that it's that it's difficult, it's slow, it's hard. You know, no one's going to catch on to it. But um, is it really though? No, it's not. It's just do it and cash you know, app, dude. Yeah. Like but um, I had to I had to send a, a wire transfer. Oh, those and are the worst. I did scariest and the worst. Yes, like I couldn't even. I think I thought I remember I used to be able to do it on over the internet. But um, I called them up. I called the number up, and I have to like read them the letters and the numbers and tell them what's going on. Yes, and give them your account number. I had to. Oh, man, what's this guy's name? Um. Uh, I was helping a journalist who, uh, Charlie, Charlie, oh my gosh, uh, he's written great anti-war books. Damn it, it'll, it'll come to me. But I was doing this research for him. I went to a museum and like uh, took pictures of old documentation from like the 1920s and, um, you know, like freelance and stuff. <clears throat> and I had to do a wire transfer and I was not comfortable with it at all. Do wouldn't do PayPal for whatever reason. I think he's like in his sixties or something. Uh, so, you know, he wasn't about like technology or whatever. But uh, anyway, I it's not comfortable sending somebody over the phone your your account details, and it's kind of like 
pros and cons to uh, to how intrusive banks can be, because if you do make a purchase, uh, you know whether or not they contact you or ask you, I think you can like damn well uh, rely on them for flagging a transfer or a transaction that happens like across the pond in uh, the UK, because that's he what that's where the dude lived or you know so i think he was in france at the time so um i'm relying on them for or the bank so i pick up on that so that's cool so uh i, I mean that hasn't happened yet but uh, aside from that it is super annoying even moving trying to put money into cash app and back and forth and having your banks tell you no and have to like call and like raise how much that you can like use of your Apparently your money <laughs> tell them how much of your money you want to put into Cash App, but at the end of the day, you ha- you learn that it's not your money. You know, it's almost like a privilege for you to use these gov- government notes to transact. Um, but it's not your money. Like it, and it's only recently that it was just a eureka moment for me to learn that, like I had heard in the past that money is backed by debt. But that is exactly what it's backed by because for every dollar in your bank account, another uh, that equal amount of fiat is lent out to somebody, and that's probably a loan on top of a loan on top of a loan, because everyone's leveraged to their fucking eyeballs, and that's why our economy is in such complete shit, and we're not allowed to fend for ourselves once a pandemic occurs. Um, but yeah, our money's backed by debt, and the money that you have isn't your money. Uh, they can repo fucking anything that you own, except Bitcoin. Yeah, and that was the other thing, um, the other recent experience that happened. I bought some Bitcoin over BISC, which we've talked about here before. It's a decent, actually decentralized uh, exchange. And um, the way yes. I did it, I had to send a Zelle payment to the uh, the person I was buying Bitcoin from. And, you know, I do the thing and, and it, um, you know, flags it and says, oh, we suspended this payment. You got to call this number. So I call the number and I get put on hold. I'm on hold forever. And so um, I thought, did I get through? Yeah, I've, I finally got through, I think. And then um, I gave all this, you know, they had to verify my identity, which I don't know how they did that. Um, but it, it was just really kind of felt like smoke and mirrors with that and then after all this they said actually we can't do anything we got to send you to the fraud department so we can <sighs> use the number here's your case number Wait, what? and yeah i don't know why and then so they sent me over there and uh i was on hold for a while wasn't getting through and they when the options was you can leave a voicemail so i left a voicemail i called the next morning sat on hold for a while finally talked to someone they went through all the same exact things and then eventually said, okay, we're going to let it go through. And it's like, I don't want to, you know, be nasty to the people I'm on the phone with because they don't understand what they're doing. They don't understand what's going on. And they're not the ones making the policy. Uh, but it was like, I kind of wanted to say to them, like, one, the verification that you're doing is just nonsense. All this stuff that you're asking me could have been very easily figured out by someone who just got a little bit of information from me and two the bigger thing i thought this was my money (laughs) and you're just (laughs) kind of holding it up 
and, and it's just like, man, you need to go through it. It shows the problem with having a third party be the ones that, um, you know, basically provide permission on whether or not you can send money somewhere because that's what you have to do. I mean, you can't just send cash around uh, if it's not a person-to-person tra- uh, a transaction. When you do it over the internet, you got to use some uh, some intermediary like a PayPal or a bank. And, you know, I think competition's good and, and having a lot of different banks and services out there will make sure, keep them honest and uh, making sure that they're um, providing a good service to people. Um, I don't yeah, think... but the problem is we don't even have competition be- between banks, essentially. But even I mean, that's so... the reason why the Federal Reserve was created. Right, right. but I, I'm even saying like with PayPal. PayPal, it's not in their best interest to sit there and decide on their own. Like, oh, I don't, I don't like Mr. Sue, so I'm not going to let his transaction go through to Slappy Jones. But we like Rollo, so we'll, we'll let Rollo send money to wherever he wants. It's not, in, it's not in their interest to do that. But the problem is... Is that since they're a centralized organization, they they're a neck that the government can grab. So yeah. we see this all the time, and and there's all all sorts of stuff with like social media platforms and 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 any other thing that any. It's other been business. every industry. I mean, Reed Rothbard's the Progressive Era. It goes all the way back to the railroads and you know the banking and it's it's government being afraid of a productive, fruitful private sector. Because the private sector produces, and the government is a goddamn parasite that only consumes and thinks it knows how to better redistribute your money, supposedly, than you do. It's like, no, motherfucker. You can't make my decisions for me. Yeah, we are kind of talking about this the other day, Slappy. With I think it was, was it Twitter had a thing where they were... Yeah. Um, they were, uh, I don't know, they were cracking down on something. Or no, yeah, no. It was, uh, was it Alex was? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tell, why don't you... I, don't, I don't remember all the details, but basically he called Twitter uh, because he was concerned that he was going to get blocked. This is a, a former New York Times reporter. I don't know what he does. He has written books or at least a book. Um, and he's been talking a lot about COVID and coronavirus and pointing out different studies that um, kind of go against the mainstream narrative. And so he, well, he was – Dave Callum? His name's Alex Berenson. Oh, never um, But he, he tweeted anyway that he had called Twitter and talked to one of the executives there, but it was not he, – he did clarify it wasn't Jack. Um and just talked about their policy. And then he, he said after talking to him, he was reassured that he wouldn't be getting blocked because they were cracking down. I, I don't know what exactly they were cracking down on, but I Probably guess like their quote fake news, on fake it. news. Yeah. Or who, who the censors are and who are deciding what is true and what is fake or, or whatever. And he was concerned that he was going to be one of them. Uh, but then after having the conversation, um, he said he felt better. And one of the things he said was. Twitter's in a tough position because if the law says you have to wear a mask and he is saying don't wear a mask, uh, which I don't know that he is, but he might be saying the mask, whatever he was saying. He's just wearing that. that. It should be choice. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's just concerned. What Twitter's concern is you can't have someone out there telling people to break the law. Um, And that puts them in a bad spot. Yeah. Rollo and I, we, we were talking about that before. Like, yeah, I do think this censorship on Twitter and Facebook and wherever else is annoying. 
But these companies are put in a tough position. Um, it happened to us. It did happen to us. Yeah. Why don't, why don't you tell that one? I mean, we have a podcast. We have an episode about it way back, but we, we there was a, I don't even want it just in case the, the I know because he'll, he'll flag it us. and he'll call. And he'll, I don't want to go through the aggravation mic. again, but he, he, he filed a DCMA or DMCA takedown request for, um, for spreading like nasty conspiracies about a minor. And it was just total utter nonsense. And we weren't even, yeah, we were actually cr- criticizing conspiracy theories. Right. But he, he was out there to control the narrative. And so he, you know, he, he flagged us to our hosting service and I got an email that said, you know, you need to take this down. You're in violation and blah, blah, blah. So I wrote back and defended myself and, and, they just kind of said, no, you got to do it. And then it happened again. Like I did what they we told didn't... me to do. He came back and filed another uh, thing against us. And so they came came again and they said, hey, this is your second violation. So we're kind of concerned and, you know, you need to take care of this or else we're going to have to take more aggressive actions or whatever. So I emailed. I said, like, I would like to speak to someone who works at your – like someone. I want I want to actually talk to a person. And um, so they said, okay. They gave me a number. We just got to set up a call. And I talked to, to the person, and they were kind of going on their thing. And I said, no, wait, hold on. This is – he's not telling you the truth. And I explained what was actually going on. And the woman on the other line, you heard her like kind of go as, – like as in she realized that I was right and that it was nonsense what was going on. But at the same time, what's she going to do? What's she going to pick my side and then have? Because it's, it, it was about a, it was about the uh, Sandy Hook shooting, just to have some context. She didn't want to have to be the per. I'm sure and she didn't say this, but you know, I can figure out what's going on. I could be in her position. For some small random website there, even though she knows that we're doing not doing anything wrong, and actually. Being on the right side of whatever this uh, <laughs> with what this situation is, um, if she doesn't tell us to to change what's on there, and there's a big stink made about this, her manager is going to be like, "What the heck are you doing?" And then if her manager agrees, the co- the larger company is going to be like, "What in the world are you doing?" So they're just like not put in a good. Sp- they're in just an absolute lose lose situation. Um. And so I just I bent over for them. If if you want to, I mean, if we want to be blunt and say like, oh, you, you should have stood up for yourself. Well, I want to keep my website too, and I don't really have a good way of self-hosting right now. Maybe I should look into self-hosting. I don't know, but like, you know, I've I've got other things going on in my life. Uh, I'm not getting paid to do any of this, so I'm sorry. I'm going to use some convenient tools that might be. Uh, might have some centralization problems that allow, you know, some censorship to happen via via the state. But like, you know, the, the criticism of Twitter, you can levy that on me and saying like, oh, you 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 weren't you weren't steadfast in your beliefs. You didn't uh, you didn't stand by what you believe. You you self censored yourself in order to uh, you know play the game. All right, I mean. <laughs> If, if, yeah, if, man. If you think, there's, if you think you, I'm a jerk or a loser or you know what name whatever, go ahead. 
No, yeah. man, being human. Like, that is in your best interest and everyone else's best interest to just shut up, keep your nose down, and just play dumb and take it up the ass. Like, it just makes everyone's life easier. And that's really how the world has to work because there is an inherent threat from above, uh, as hyperbolic as that might be. That's the, that's the case. That's the case. I mean, that's just what the state of polite society is. And that's why if anyone says otherwise about really anything, then you're deemed a conspiracist or you're, you're deemed a martyr or just a crazy person not to be taken seriously or a threat. And it's just so much easier to not do something than to do something. Well, too, it's like I will let them win this yeah. round. What for, Yeah. What, where are you going to – is it worth fighting? They had a lot more resources than we did. Well, that's, that's yeah. the thing. I mean we would have lost instantly. It didn't matter and i don't have yeah we, we don't have the resources to try to you know fight anyone with this uh but mcflugel like, v site ground <laughs> but uh i i will let them win this round i'm not i'm not saying them as my hosting service i'm talking about them as the evil people that want to control things um I will let them win this round because i know in the later rounds i will have a tool that whatever whatever I think I can do now on my own just absolutely pales in comparison to the, uh, what I can do with the thing that's kind of bubbling in, yeah. uh, in the background and on the that's side. That's yours. Lines. No one else's. Yeah. And, and that's, you know, that's uh, tractors I'm talking about. Once I, once I oh, get my tractor. Of course. Yeah. Of course. You, you don't fuck with the, a man in a tractor. I mean, that's intimidation right there. <laughs> but, but no, to, to, to anyone, any um any passerby listening who thought that you know Rollo McFlugel's got 3D printers and printing up all these weapons um no that that's okay I want him to do that but that's not what he's talking about he's talking about Bitcoin and how it fixes everything and how he we all are going to be able to leverage that to have true financial freedom and to do things permissionlessly uh when where how and for whatever reason uh, we want. And the beauty of that goes back to one of the main theses of the sovereign individual is that, you know, cyber money or just technology and innovations in general will enable people to be self-sovereign in a way that the powers that currently be or are, what's the, what's the right grammar for that? But whatever, you know, you know what I'm talking about. The powers that be will have no choice but to, compete basically with the methods that we have because they will also be permissionless and um and seizure resistant and you kind of have like a um uh i don't want to say free market in this case because it's still the state but you'll still have like these state entities com competing against with private individuals basically for the quality and then uh, better quality services and by default you kind of get a free market and you uh, you know you'll have winners and losers as any economy should and inefficiencies will be cleansed out well, you know uh, i do yeah. think i do think the state does operate on the market as in like the principles of supply and demand and and everything else all the things that build up to to what we talk about markets especially from an Austrian perspective, they don't go away. 
And I think when you said that they're it just makes... They can control them. That's where it goes. Right. Well, they're just, they're just so powerful that they can push us all around because we don't have the ability to access tools to effectively fight them back. And to kind of tie this... Uh, you mentioned this kind of early... Um, when you said like, oh, I'm a libertarian, but I'd rather just be called, I'd rather identify as a Bitcoiner. Uh, I think that's, and tying that into what you're saying now with making the state compete, um, like it really, this is what levels the playing field. This is what gives us the opportunity to actually like fight the state and say, um, all right, we don't like what you're doing. And instead of you just being powerful enough and being able to command a lot of resources on the market that you can just dominate us, we just kind of route around you and say, um, well, good luck, but you, you don't have the same ways of controlling me that you did before. And so now, I mean, that's kind of been libertarian. Uh, one of the themes or, or things that we say is, you know, if the state's so good, then, then why does it need guns to, to um, make sure that no one else can compete with it? Well, yeah, violence becomes inefficient. Yeah, and, and, that's, and that's, this is part of the market working so um it's it's i forget where i was uh, uh, gonna say with that i think you know where, where if, if i can add to that it's basically where's the market going well it goes where it always goes when there's a coercive government and it goes to the black market and that shouldn't have the stigmatism around it because black market is really just the free market operating um you know against the state in spite of the state there will be solutions because we as humans are crafty motherfuckers, man. We find a way and God damn it. We're going to have our way because we have to, it's just by nature. Like Rothbard talks about this in anatomy of the state that it's unnatural for people to just be suppressed. I hope I'm not misquoting like what he says. We're not misquoting. We're, you know, I, I hope I'm doing him justice here, but it's only natural for people to pull the resources, you know, from the ground that are available to them and just get to that next level where they need to be. It's only natural for humans to produce and innovate and adapt and better themselves. It's not natural to have a center authoritarian, um, you know, a dictator trying to micromanage something on the macro level and prevent, um, you know, prosperity from occurring. And it can try, but when it does try, by default, you get black markets or grayish markets or whatever. Or you basically just get permissionless activity because, you know, as, as they say in Jurassic Park, like, life finds a way. And that's exactly what happens with markets. Yeah, and I think it's I think it's important to kind of frame the markets in a little bit different way than we typically talk about, like black market versus gray market versus white market. They're all fine. We, it's un- just we understand. Trying to survive. Right, we understand what those are, but like um, y- this idea that like, oh well, if we just had a free market, then things would be so much better. Um, oh no, and it's not going to be utopia, and that's why it works because you need inefficiencies. This is I'm a little self-shill right here. This is what I tried to talk about in an article I wrote. It's called The Economy Needs a Difficulty Adjustment. And I took or tried to debunk the FUD of a, a Bitcoin miner death spiral. 
and a bunch of miners are going to leave the network because the uh, block subsidy is going to cut in half and they won't be incentivized and there won't be any miners to mine the transaction and mint new, and mint new Bitcoin. But that's just not the case because of the difficulty adjustment and um, you know, that's basically cleansing out to the inefficient miners who didn't make smart investments with their hardware. And what that does, as what this crash should have done, um, instead of getting a bunch of printed money out of nothing and bail out Boeing and all these other giant status corporate entities and have them survive and not uh, productive businesses take their place instead – and hire all the people that had to, you know, leave Boeing and pick up them because these private companies have the right resources. Um, you know, no, what happens is that there's this natural cleanse. Like, I believe uh, Nassim Taleb talks about, like, a forest fire burning uh, just naturally. Uh, like, that's natural. It's nature doing its thing. It's destroying and so something new can be born uh, uh, after it and you know uh it's just the ebb and flow of nature and with these miners or just any market when you have booms and busts booms and busts are natural you need that you need a reallocation of resources that's all a uh boom and bust is it shouldn't even be called boom and bust it's called a correction and that's exactly what it is it's a correction where uh resources or money investment should be invested or reinvested or uninvested into the appropriate markets, into the appropriate fields of business and industries. Because there were too many unicorn projects that were just pieces of shit and weren't profitable. And, you know, in a true free market where you don't have all the statism backing up all these basically monopolies of each uh, industry then you actually do have production and an increase in production and lower prices and a higher quality of living. So the mere fact that it's not utopia, not everyone's fat and happy, is because if that was the case, then we'd all be pretty, uh, you know, static, right? You know, we wouldn't be moving anywhere. Uh, you know, why move at all? Because humans kind of, kind of depend on conflict to get them to that next level. And that kind of goes back to why it's only natural for man to kind of be challenged and move forward and excel and do better. So we need a, uh, an, an, a, a law and order, all natural. We need to have things a little bit fucked up for things to be as prosperous as possible. Right. And, and to even take that at a little bit different of an angle um, with, with it it's it's that it's you know you're never gonna like asking for a free market like oh we just need a free market if the government just stepped out of the way is what we like well they're not going to <laughs> so <laughs> you need to you need to figure something out that just says it doesn't matter that it's there uh, and i think um this was a a piece that guy swan read on his show but from the limitless com by uh, sven schneiders it's called stop calling for a free market and money Oh, that was so good. Yes. Um, I will so try to remember good. to link to that. But yes, that, like grok that piece for listeners because it's like, you know, it, it, it's – I know a lot of gold bugs don't like hearing this, but it's like gold failed as money. We don't use it as yeah. money anymore. It still has some monetary properties and value because it's still – it's very useful. 
yeah, and hey, the fiat if we, system. If we had to go back on a gold standard, that'd be pretty fucking good, man. Like I take that. Yeah, but I we don't even know how that's built again. I I don't be, I don't know because I, I I don't know, but like it's. Gold, I mean, I want like, to be on a Bitcoin standard because that, that's the standard that will work. But if we had to get to gold first and then Bitcoin, like I won't not take that, you know. Yeah, gold I would just be don't better than what it. we have, but Ooh. it's not. It's going to end the same. Yeah, yeah, I mean, there's been no innovations in gold that would prevent the same thing, same uh, same attack vectors from being. That's not true. Exploit. It's in your cell phone. Yeah, but like Bitcoin's <laughs> Bitcoin's the innovation that 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 puts armor on those previous uh, attack surfaces that were weak spots. So yeah. now you can't exploit that. But like, if you just went back to gold, there's nothing there that's going to prevent that. So we're just going to. You know, just rewind the tape and be back where we were. Don't get me wrong; it would be good if we were able to rewind and at least get some production on a hard, on a harder money system. But I mean, who's going to? What government? What central bank's going to say? Yeah, we'll go ahead and do that for you. It's way, you know, they get way too much wealth and power from controlling the monetary supply. And so, like what uh, F.A. Hayek said, you know, you got to have some sly roundabout way to uh change or to fight the state that they don't have any way of uh any way of you know being able to control it and this this I, I, this popped in my head a little while ago but um there's years ago um brave the world did an interview with cody wilson and he had this one line in there that was just absolutely fantastic and he was talking about 3d printed guns this is back when he was just putting out the liberator that one shot uh, 3D mm -hmm. printed gun, which man, look at look at how far we've come since then with that. Or not we, I haven't done anything. <laughs> the people working on it, but um, <laughs> he said, "Let's give it something that it can't shoot with firepower, and we'll see what the government does." And that is like, that is the ethos that we should be like. That sums it up so perfectly. It's like if we're there, you know, if we're, I don't know, you, you, you create a business like Uber, Uber and Lyft, we use that as an example all the time that it's how, you know, it was disruptive in the market and kind of broke up the taxi. It's a great example. Yeah. But I mean, they can still put people under arrest. They can still, they're still next to squeeze there. And Uber isn't quite what it was. Um, there's a lot of regulation imposed on it and, and they have to bow down to a lot of government things. It was an improvement. Yeah. I'm not trying to, to, to poo poo them. And again, this goes back to what we we're talking about. You know, any like, innovation like that peaks, uh, by just by state coercion, cause you, they can't get that powerful. Right. So it's like, it's good. It, it makes little minor improvements in our lives, but Uber and Lyft aren't going to destroy the state. <laughs> But like, Damn. that's why you have to do something like this. The state is good at one thing. It's good at using the hammer. And if you make that tool unusable and it doesn't work on what you're fighting them with, then they're going to start like scrambling and not know what to do and probably react poorly. They're probably just going to get a bigger hammer or more hammers and start trying to hit mm -hmm. harder. And you just kind of laugh at them and be like, all right, keep, keep doing that. Keep doing that. <laughs> But it's like that's the kind of weapons that we want to have and that's the kind of leverage that we need because, you know, there's certain things that you can do to, to you know, I don't begrudge anyone or, or like not begrudge, begrudge isn't the wrong term. You know, if you want to go out and kind of live in a mountain somewhere to avoid the state, um, more power to you uh, to, to kind of 
sacrifice a lot of niceties in life in order to, you know, do your little part not to fund the state. Hey, man, Blockstream got an upgrade, so look at his Bitcoin. Yeah. (laughs) But, like, you know, do that. Absolutely. I'm not going to stop you. I'm not really going to criticize you, but um, you're not really doing anything to hurt the state. They don't care. Like if they lose a couple people to the mountains, then you're not paying taxes and not, you know, using, using their, you know, preferred markets. They, they don't really care. Um, so we just have to be, remember that kind of thing when we're trying to figure out ways to fight the state is like, what gives you the thing that just basically makes you invisible to whatever weapon they have? Expelliarmus. Speaking of that, (laughs) <laughs> you see uh, J.K. Rowling's tweets the other day? I did oh not. Oh, my God. Tell me about this. Pull up the, the tweet, Rowling. Yeah, I'm, I'm doing it right now. I did see and people there was talking a... about her, but I don't know what was said. And then there's a sock uh, J.K. Rowling account that I think the uh, CEO of Coinbase took down. Or it appeared that he did. Maybe it wasn't him, but I don't know. Oh, yeah, no, he, he replied to a fake thing and, and just made ah. himself look like an absolute fool. Because he is an absolute fool. Okay. Um, oh, no, I thought he called in com- complaint or, like, made a complaint about... Oh, oh he ca- did? I No, I thought I, that was just a speculation of mine. I don't know. Uh, where is this? Um... I thought he was just annoyed by whoever was trying to do that, so... Yeah, he sure. sent it. Uh, well, it was somewhere where... Oh, you know what? Look in the crypto economy chat. Because I had a... Oh, I found it. Okay. Okay, so... so um, Lei Kuhn, who is a Coindesk writer made a tweet saying that there's a mainstream not okay i'll just read the tweet so lay coon said the most bullish signal i've seen all week is a mainstream novelist who i won't name but she's so good and not a sci-fi type pinged me unsolicited to ask about bitcoin now i consider this week a success and so someone Holy replied shit. someone replied jk rowling is my favorite and so lay <laughs> said if she ever pings me i will die from happiness and so J.K. Rowling, since she was tagged in it, she replies, I don't understand Bitcoin. Please explain it to me. So ah. that, that tweet right there from, from Rowling had 2,918 responses. Wow. And for the most part, you know, not too awful. Actually, for all things, considering it's the internet and Twitter, where it's just like the worst cesspool of everything, I think the, the score was pretty high. But she was, um, she was doing some trolling. Um, that's what I thought it was some other tweets it's like it's it's no good explaining Bitcoin with similes or indeed metaphors I don't understand but yes old fashions are the best blah 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 gold blah blah fidelious charm enough said blah blah worldwide blah 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 power blah mass Dumbledore heart Uh, I'm sure cryptocurrencies are fascinating I've generally tried to grasp the very detailed information I've been sent tonight people close to me understand it and have tried to explain it to me when I'm cold stone cold sober but I'm afraid this is a total blind spot for me I'm just able to grasp a barter system talk of collectibles tokenomics and blockchains my brain just takes a walk Um, and then she finally had this um, 
She had more tweets about it. And where is it? And then Musk came to the rescue. Yeah, Elon Musk Except said he didn't. something too, which was kind of funny. Okay. So she had this tweet. Uh, this is getting silly. I'm not joining the Bitcoin community. It should be perfectly obvious by now that I've been trolling Bitcoin in the hopes of boosting my significant Ethereum holdings. <laughs> and then she had a she said she, that? Had a, she had an asterisk, and the next tweet said, "This is also a joke," but it was pretty funny. Um, uh, that was a pretty good troll on her part. But it's like, I didn't know, wait, is this her actual true account that did this? Yes. I didn't know it went this far. Yeah. Oh, yeah. She's been. Um, she was going back and forth with a lot of it. She was actually a pretty good sport. I would say. Um, and people are getting like torqued up that she's like, oh, she's not getting it. She's being obtuse. Well, it's like, it's like the internet. Like I'm, I don't sit there and try to explain this to my grandmother or my mom. Actually, my mom's sometimes interested. I'll, I'll talk to her about it, but there's certain people where you're just like, all right, if, you know, if you're not willing to put in a little bit of time or at least let me talk to you about it for a while, then, you know, it doesn't really, I'm not really going to try. But what's really good about this is she has 14.6 million followers. And she's been the last couple of days tweeting about Bitcoin. And it doesn't matter if she's taking it seriously or making fun of it. She just exposed so many people and a lot of young people to Bitcoin and make them think like, huh. All right. Some of them are some of them will probably laugh and say, like, oh, yeah, I agree, JK, this Bitcoin's so stupid. But a lot of them are going to maybe read some of these replies that other people had. And maybe maybe it, it strikes a note with them. Maybe it makes sense with them and maybe it sends them down the rabbit hole. So like, this is one of the amazing things about Bitcoin is that you can have celebrities go and make fun of it. And it's good for Bitcoin. Dude, everything's good for Bitcoin. Yeah, it's great. Like it's she's. Sitting there, I don't know. She might not care. She probably does, just doesn't care. Um, and I don't know. Just... Like, like I, I'm, I know she's like rich and probably has a lot of time on her hands. So like, I can see her spending a couple days doing this. Uh, but would she really? Like, well, what's she might? But you what's think she tough... maybe like just ha- handed the phone over to like her niece or nephew and it was like go nuts. <laughs> Well, when you've got when you've got like almost fifteen million followers on Twitter, and you say Bitcoin, explain it to me. Like, talk about the ultimate drinking from a fire hose. Like, yeah, you could just go. The and, thing uh, is, she knew about that though. Oh and, yeah, I'm like, not criticizing her it for it. It's just, it's just yeah, yeah, yeah. probably not the best way for her to like, you know, soberly and systematically understand. Although I did my best, and when she asked people to explain Bitcoin, I just linked her to ten hours of Bitcoin.com. Because that's what you, Did you I, I, follow up with you on that. Yeah, she 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 called me and said, "Well, it was the thank you for sending me that. Um, it was the greatest thing in the world, and yeah. everyone should Good go feedback. go uh, go through that." But Phil, I mean, this is something that I wanted Did to she ask buy you. Buy a mug. Did she what? Did oh she yeah, she a bought mug? a mug too. She bought a mug okay. saying "Public School Teachers." Hey, hey, dumb. we need to make a JK <laughs> Bitcoin rug mug. Yeah, yeah. Peter Schiff's got a mug, and that one did pretty well. So any, yeah. any celebrities, minor or major, that oh uh, okay okay so so naturally we need to play off magic internet money right so maybe like like a very hackney like stick as a wand and like little confetti and that, that it's over like a the Bitcoin I, I don't know 
Well, uh, speaking speaking of magic and stuff and this thing, let me find it. Um, someone replied because people were trying to talk about uh, their stupid altcoins in there. Um, but uh, this one person replied back, um, Ethereum is like an open spell book where you can write and cast your own spells or trustlessly cast those written by others, even if you might not otherwise have the ability to cast them yourself. So I said in reply to him, this is correct because Ethereum only works in a fictional fantasy world. Ooh, zing. But Bitcoin How did he handle that? Uh, let's see. He did reply. Let's see. Got to scroll back to it. He said, it definitely works in real life, too. Come give it a try. Uh and so I, I replied, do you I want to keep my money. Thanks. I said, do you run a fully validating node? And then he went away. <laughs> but it doesn't. I mean, Ethereum works because it's just decentralized database that Vitalik basically has control over everything, which was evidenced by when they were doing their uh, what was it, the DAO or something early on um, or a couple of years ago someone used their smart contracts in a way that they didn't like. And so they he was able to get a lot of money and they just like rolled it back. Yeah. Um, and that's where Ethereum Classic came from because there were some people in the Ethereum crowd that said like, whoa, 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 this is supposed to be like immutable and you can't just, just because something that happens in the code that you all wrote goes away that you don't want it to, you can't just like take this guy's money away. So they forked. They, Dude, like... Unironically, I'm I I think I would consider holding like bags of ETH Classic just because I feel like it's a fuck you to Ethereum, but of <laughs> course like I have a soul, so I, I wouldn't hold ETH Classic. Yeah, I had but some still, back in the day. I think bit, holding but, Bitcoin's a better way to flip them off. Anyway. Oh no, absolutely, absolutely it is, and we can get into like their failed, ex- you know, fucking science experiment with like Bitcoin wrapping and bullshit. But um, uh, shit, what was I gonna say? What was I gonna say? Uh, I don't, it's just cool, man. Like, I like green. I think it's kind of funny how, like, Bcash is green and ETH Classic is green, but, like, ETH Classic is pure and Bcash is an abortion. And, uh, I, man, where was I going to go with this? I don't know. ETH Classic green? is cool, though. I, I, I think that ETH Classic should be, because it's almost, I think it should have, like, a, a similar novelty as Dogecoin. I'm I, basically I'm surprised why it's not worth more. Like it, why it doesn't have like a somewhat stronger cult following to where it's at least like half the market cap is Ethereum. So what is that like fifty bucks or some shit? I don't know. I, I'm just kind of surprised. I think it's because I mean the reason that like Bitcoin has the following that it does is because it's like providing oh, like know. truth. And it's it's like no nonsense. It's not like it's 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 like with libertarianism, you have all these people, especially with all the LP stuff. You don't be don't do so much purity testing. You're gonna scare people away. So what we need to do is be really really milk toast. And then it's like so. All right, you're a libertarian. What's that? Well, we take ta- I'm I'm stealing some time. Fiscally conservative. <laughs> yeah, we take some of the good stuff from the Republicans and some of the good stuff from the Democrats, and we mix it together, and we have libertarianism. And they're going to be like, "Wow, oh, so that's you're a CIA extremely plant. boring." Okay. 
Well, no, I mean that's what liber- that's what a lot of libertarians, like the more of the milk toast people, say. We're fiscally conservative and socially liberal. It's like, well, that yeah, misses to, the whole point of what libertarian. It's like we're not we're not taking like it, it's not taking the mainstream stuff and going like a cafeteria and picking what you like from from each side. It's totally built on a philosophy that sucks. is separate from all that other garbage. And yeah. I think you only really bring people on when you're like really strong and steadfast in your beliefs. It's a lot like religions are too. You tend to lose people from your religion when you start just trying to have this mass appeal instead of just really focusing on the on the tenets and the doctrines of the religion. So it doesn't surprise me that um, – these other altcoins like Ethereum Classic versus Ethereum just kind of die off because no one there, they're not built on anything like that's exciting. It's just like, ah, oh, you can like redo finance. You can redo the existing structure, but put it on a blockchain. It's like, we don't want to do that. That's stupid. That's lame. Yeah. We want to like tear this whole system down and build it the way it should be done. We built this city. But yeah, let's get into, um, if you didn't, if you haven't remembered what you were going to say, but, um, Oh, Ethereum... well, I just, I'm surprised why Ethereum Classic oh, okay. is worth like nothing. I think it is cooler than Ethereum. It's just got this giant gaping battle scar and they're just like, yeah, that happened. We don't care. If, if anyone's even like behind that shit, I don't know. Cause I, am a Bitcoiner and I don't fuck around. Uh, uh, Take the wheel, Frollo. Okay. So Ethereum, like there's always uh, a lot of people, a lot of the people that don't like Bitcoin uh, or really hate Bitcoin maximalists complain about the scaling issue and and they just want instant gratification and don't, don't understand or appreciate that like this stuff has to be built up slowly uh, because you have to make sure like once you set something loose on Bitcoin, since it is decentralized and you can't control what's going on, um, you have to make sure that like it works. <laughs> so um, one of the things people love to rip on uh, the Lightning Network and say all so- sorts of nonsense, like it doesn't work or no one uses it. Um, or it failed. Yeah, or it fa- you know, yeah, or it's like oh, still waiting, still eighteen months away, still two years away. It's like the Lightning Network has made massive leaps and bounds since it's been going. Um, and it's become way, way easier to use over time. But um, there's all sorts of criticisms, and they and and so Ethereum came up with this. I don't even know. I forget what it's called. Uh, TBTC, maybe or L. I forget what it was. Doesn't matter. But they apparently came up with some side chain on Ethereum that was supposed to scale Bitcoin, and uh, according to some people, make the Lightning Network obsolete. And so they're rolling it out, all excited for it. And I think in less than two days, they had to shut it down. It didn't work. It fell flat on its face. And kind of, I jumped the gun on saying about um, why you have to be a little bit more careful with Bitcoin. You see all these other altcoins out there, especially Ethereum, where it's like, oh, yeah, we just, you know, we're innovating all the time, trying all new stuff. The fact that they were able to just, like, shut this down means that, it wasn't it's not distributed it's not decentralized there's like one group or a very small group 
that could just set, that all could coordinate and be like, all right, we got to shut this off. Like if something happened with the Lightning Network, or they said like, oh, we want to roll back the Lightning Network. Well, good luck convincing all the people that are just like, nah, just gonna roll with it. I'm just gonna keep going. But that's why I think a lot of these altcoins can do stuff, can quote innovate unquote so quickly, is because they don't have to actually worry about uh, onboarding and 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 releasing the stuff to a distributed network. Because if something goes wrong, they just hit the off button and take it away. They don't release it to every... They don't actually release it to the wild and just have it do its thing. Right. So that's why, like, when if you complain things aren't happening fast enough in Bitcoin, it's because they're making sure that what they're releasing is really rock solid and tested so that it doesn't fall flat on its face like Ethereum just did with this Bitcoin scaling solution that they just attempted. Like, that is so embarrassing and so hilarious. But it'll just be like, oh, yeah. they're trying. They want to scale Bitcoin when they can't scale themselves. <laughs> yeah, that's the funny thing, too. Also, tell me when the D gets put into DeFi. It doesn't. Nothing's decentralized. They're making a carbon copy or vaporware version of the current shitty society we are trying to build away from. There's no fucking difference. Yeah, but instead of having uh, the again, central bankers control it, uh, Vitalik gets to Vitalik have it. Vitalik will. Yeah. Exactly. And it's still a goddamn like bureaucracy. There's a central point of failure, which is Vitalik. This isn't decentralized. So either he's either too fucking stupid to understand this, or he doesn't give a shit, and he keeps iterating. So, I mean, essentially, we're supposed to believe that he's iterating and making developments, pushing it out two weeks or months or years or whatever. And he just is continuing to do that just so he stays out of jail, basically. Because think of all the the money that people have lost. You know, don't most of these scam coins aren't they essentially uh, ERC twenty tokens? Yes. That depend on Ethereum. I mean, you know, if liquidity begets liquidity and all roads lead to Bitcoin, then the opposite happens with Ethereum. Like all roads are like you know. A, a train going off the rails and, and crashing into each other on Ethereum. This stuff doesn't work. And it's a joke if they think that they're being sincere and honest and that they're going to take it somewhere. And I just feel so bad for all these people that buy into it or maybe they think they know how to, to trade well or they know what they're doing with these DeFi products. It, it, I, I don't. I don't know. I don't know. I'm all for innovation and experimentation. It's kind of cool that y we have these other coins trying to do like privacy on the protocol layer, but it's not it's not going to work. And even if it did work, that doesn't matter because that's not Bitcoin. It's not a sound money, digital gold, uh, a thing that Bitcoin is already. Yeah. So I just so bad for these people. And let's let's be make it perfectly clear because this is always an annoying strong straw man that we have to deal with. No one is saying that these that the, they shouldn't exist in the sense that someone like ought to stop them. 
um, that like being a Bitcoin maxless means that like no, no one's allowed to try anything else. No, we think anyone should be free to do whatever they want as far anyone as it goes. Anyone But we just think that all these other things that they've come up with, all these altcoins, they're all stupid and they're not going to work. And a lot of them are just scams. So when we say like we're against Ethereum and Bitcoin Cash and Monero and whatever else this is, it's because they're not going to work. They're not going to – they have no chance of of beating the mission that Bitcoin's trying to uh, trying to complete, which is become global money. And so – and I, the, a lot of them understand that. A lot of these people that run these altcoins understand that. So that's why they say, we're not trying to compete with Bitcoin. We want to have a system where we – and this is where they, they kind of twisted the stuff to be like, we're going to have a free market for money, which means we're going to have 18,000 different monies in the economy, <sighs> which is just absolutely stupid, utter money. nonsense. Why would we revert back to barter? Like it, it's it's – just imagine. <clears throat> yeah. I remember. I remember. Uh, Andreas Anonopoulos had a thing where he was uh, talking about this multi-money, multi-cryptocurrency world. He's like, yeah, even the yeah, Scouts dude, are gonna... that that got me in a a mental twist. Like, what, dude? Yeah, <clears throat> even the Girl Scouts will have their own cryptocurrency. It's like, well, what do I want Girl Scout coins for? So wait, I gotta take, I gotta take Rollo coin, and I want to buy Girl Scouts. Wait, did you get off the Tractor Coin project? Oh, that's right. No, I, I did get off the tractor. I have tractor coin cash RV. Um, but we'll just simplify it to calling it Rollo coin because. Um, hey, what what did you buy your fruitcake ingredients with today? Uh, so here's here's how fruitcake solves. I did. Well, we'll talk about that. In a little bit. <laughs> okay. But um, so what we're saying is, so I want to buy Girl Scout cookies. So, dude, what if Girl Scouts made a fruitcake flavor? Then I'd have to reconsider all of this, but <laughs> <laughs> but let's say I want to I want to buy Girl Scout cookies and they only accept Girl Scout coins. So what I got to do? I've got Rollo coins because I want to get paid in Rollo stupid. coins. Stupid, <laughs> not as stupid as Slappy coins. So <laughs> what I have to do is I have to that find. Be name, I go to the Girl Scouts and I say, "Hey, I want some cookies. Do you want to take Rollo coins?" And they say, no, we want Girl Scout coins. I say, okay. And I got to go find someone that is willing to trade me Girl Scout coins in exchange for Rollo coins. But well, what can I do with Rollo coins? You can buy stuff from me. What do you have? No, you have anything good? Fruitcake and tractors. <laughs> so you have to find someone. So this immediately like brings us literally right back to a barter system except instead of the thing you're actually trading you're just putting another layer on top of it that just messes everything up even more so you can't even like figure out because because you know who knows what the rollo coin monetary policy is every time i fart new 10 new inflationary yeah so so you don't even know how to I like how you say every time you fart because it's literally gas yeah it's, 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 it's the inflation this. Okay. So it's like and and um and and slappy coins every time Bob Murphy says tractor on his podcast. Fifty. <laughs> uh, Which is very often. Free. Yes, I know. He's he's a big fan of our show, obviously. How else yeah. why else would he ever mention tractors? But like we can see how this this system immediately breaks sexy. down and is absolutely really stupid. So the way that people try to argue against this is they'll say that, well, 
that's where Bitcoin will come in. It'll kind of be like the reserve currency. So what you're saying is that Bitcoin's going to be the most liquid thing. So if I want to buy Girl Scout cookies, I go and trade my Rollo coins for Bitcoins so I can go trade my Bitcoins for Girl Scout coins. But if everyone wants Bitcoin to trade, to be the kind of the, the intermediate thing to trade between all these other coins, then why not just always hold Bitcoin if I'm going to need it anyway? It just obsolete. Because then you can't why these people into your scams. Exactly. So it's just like, like if yeah, just dude, putting so any little bit of thought, so, into, and that's just like I, the very surface. We can go into more details and even going like, well, what about two coins? That's that's no good either. Um, but that'll be for another time, maybe. Uh, but like, no, it, it's so good for you to like just repaint this picture. Like, hey, this is kind of how economics works, and we figured this out centuries ago. So you're kind of retarded, and you do a little bit more, uh, you know, history deep diving of how money works. Yeah. And that's why we have the Bitcoin standard, ten hours of Bitcoin. But it is very refreshing and important that these ideas of this is how money works and why it works and why we don't need a shit ton of different monies because you're back to bartering. So I don't know. I'm, this is me saying like, thank you for like, I already knew this shit, but I don't know. It, you know uh, it really helps when you just hear them in different uh, examples. It, oh, it just yeah. makes it look much better. Like every time. Well, you know, what's funny. Um, people like to say, well, you're a Bitcoin maximalist. You only, you only like Bitcoin, but what if something else comes along that, you realize it's better than Bitcoin. I say, good. I'll dump Bitcoin yeah. and adopt that. That means it's more resistant <laughs> to the to the state taking it over. It means it's harder. That would be fantastic. But guess yeah, what? Yeah, just nothing's proven us wrong yet. Guess what? It took six thousand years about for something to beat gold and its hardness. So, I don't know that. Uh, and and guess what? Ever since gold started becoming money, people have been trying to figure out ways to attack it and and get something better. And it took about six thousand years for that to happen. Um, so yeah, I'll take I'll I'll assume that it's gonna be a while before something um is better than Bitcoin. But hey, if it comes, that's better for the world. And there's no problem. Like we've remonetized many times in in, in our history of humanity. It's better. If it weren't better, if, if something better coming along weren't better for humans, then why would they use the, the new better thing on their own? Like, it's... I, that's why I don't understand kind of like a lot of the gold gold bugs resistance to Bitcoin. Now, I under, like, I, I'm not... You know, if they're just presented with Bitcoin right away and they don't understand it, I mean, I'm not saying that you should immediately... I mean, if you hear Bitcoin for 30 seconds and you go, Oh, actually I believe Bitcoin's the best thing in the world. And you're an idiot and you don't understand anything. Um, but like if, uh, if you understand money and then you, you at least, um, assume that it's correct that Bitcoin, you know, you, you buy into its hardness and its censorship resistance. If you're a gold bug and you understand money, you should like say, oh, okay, well, this actually does sound better. I actually did have that happen at one of my uh, my meetups for uh, Bitcoin and Liberty stuff. A new guy came. Uh, he saw the meetup notifications. Go, like, oh, Bitcoin and libertarianism. I you know I don't know much about Bitcoin, but I'm a libertarian. 
And uh, we kind of started talking about it. It was a gold bug. And since he understood money, when we gave him like the hardness argument for Bitcoin, he's like, oh, yeah, okay, no, that makes perfect sense. Because <laughs> he's, he's, he's not about like gold is not the end for him. It's the means to his end. And so when yeah, he realized like the, there was a better the, means out there to achieve his end, yeah, just go adopt that. Now, we did, I don't know that, that he went out and bought Bitcoin, but he at least understood what we were saying. Yeah, I mean, he's – the problem with the gold bugs that shit on Bitcoin every chance they get is because that is a means to their end because they're probably incentivized of, you know, profiting off gold stocks or whatever. I mean, that's just my sin. Huh? They probably hold a lot of it. Right. Yeah. And, like, they're not wrong to hold a lot of this. No, it's but, fine. I think it's good or whatever. Well, like, I, I think – um. Oh no! Even if they bought Bitcoin, it's not like they would be going back on their morals by any means. No, uh, it's a better version of it. But I think, you know, you talk about Peter Schiff and owning like Schiff Gold or anyone who might have certain gold stocks or you know derivatives of it. Uh, you know, I I think that might be one reason, just because like any statist, uh, you know, they're not gonna shit on the bureaucracy that they profit from. And uh, not only that, it's just it just kind of goes back to like unlearning and just being scared of change. So I think there's a bit of that too. It's hard. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, but- it was difficult for me. I went I went through this stuff like most changes in your mind go through a kicking and screaming. I remember it was uh, I, I really took the the dive into monetary economics and Bitcoin once I uh, once I took J W Weatherman's course he had it was called cypherpunks university which was what was kind of the uh, what 10 hours of bitcoin turned into and it was like eight or ten hours uh long had like a, a a google hangouts chat basically with a bunch of people and he went through a, a couple of presentations and you know had question and answer things and i remember sitting through that just being like glued to it. And afterwards, I remember I said to Slappy, like, dude, um, money only is one thing. And, and I probably said like, what about gold and silver? Yeah. And I was like, I know, like I, I, I can't explain it, but I remember when it was explained to me, it made perfect sense. And that was kind of enough for me to be like, all right, I want to like be able to explain this and understand this better. And so I, I started studying it more and, and learning about it. And it was like, everything just kind of opened up, but it takes, and that's something I wanted to to bring up, especially as this bull run seems to be upon us or nearing us. A lot of people are going to get interested in Bitcoin. I've already had an increase in the questions about Bitcoin. I think a lot of people, I don't want to put words in their mouth, but it seems like they want in a few tweets to be able to be sold on Bitcoin. Or anything for that matter, but yeah. <laughs> so, do you have you know, do you have any thoughts on like what you like? Because you're you're a more recent, um, con- I guess in the past like six months, you've I mean you've gone from basically square one to, you know, having a pretty pretty good solid idea. understanding. Yeah. Oh. So, like, what do you? Because I'm sure you remember in the beginning, like you, you look at this, it's like man, there's so much economics and technical stuff. It's there. How am, no, I, ever the, gonna, how am I ever going to grasp this? The economics just came. I don't. Yeah, I'll say natural because, like, that's what human action is in economics. Like, 
you're buying something to satisfy your need because you're you need to survive like you're doing what you want to do because you have agency uh so yeah i'll say the economics part came natural now i it it was hard at first like my main go-to for a while was for a new liberty the libertarian manifesto by murray and rothbard and thank god the mises university puts all their it's pretty unbelievable and stuff out for free on uh you know podcasts so i binged that a bit um and what really sold me was just the how beautiful the ideas of eye pencil are and what i kind of talked about at the beginning of this episode uh, just the natural like all natural law and order ebb and flow of it um so it's really only been i don't know like the last few months where it really clicked with me of really what it means to have the separation of money and state and why it's best to have the money in the hands of an individual and why when uh, the state has it, like how inflation is, how that occurs. Um, understanding Bitcoin, I was just, the same reason why I didn't get into it at first is just the technical parts of it. Like, I don't understand what a blockchain is. What is this and that and blah, 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 and social contracts and, you know, a lot of that stuff I still, you know, don't understand because it's still like deep and it is always changing and being added onto it, especially with lightning and whatnot. But, you know, even to that, I still have, a, a decent understanding of like what's going on. Um, yeah. Know, so like, it, what was your, what was your process for, for kind of learning this stuff? Uh, can you be more specific? <laughs> like where, where well, what start? did you do? Like, what did like you, you, oh, you said like, Oh, I want to uh, learn about this Bitcoin stuff. How do I, wh- what did you do? how did you learn it? Podcasts. Yeah. I, I, I binged the crypto economy or now Bitcoin audible guy Swan. I jumped into people's DMS and sent them like paragraphs of questions uh, Rollo's victim of this. Cars, car camp is a victim of this. God bless guy. Well, it's, I know it's damn well. He is. It's so funny because I remember when you first DM'd me, it was about like the business cycle. Yeah, yeah. I remember you like you weren't. I remember just sitting there being like, "How do I explain?" He's not getting it. How do I explain it to him? And now you just <laughs> you can just rip it off really easily and explain it very well. So it, it, it just takes time, and it just it takes you gotta want it, and yeah, yep. just really learning and kind of knowing it in your heart that at the end of the tunnel, Bitcoin is going to provide like, you know, this safe haven, this salvation. And you want to understand every step. Um, uh, how, do, how do I explain this? I don't, I don't know, man. You just want to know every rhyme and reason why uh, you have such a conviction for something that you believe in. Um, so that's why you ask questions and, uh, it, at the end of the day, it doesn't become like a chore. It become it doesn't become like homework. Um, well, really, it, <laughs> there's that saying that goes, "Don't let uh, don't let school get in the way of uh-huh. your education." Mm-hmm. And this just became so satisfying of a thing uh, to basically, you know, uh, learn and read. I, I say read. I listen to podcasts. Reading kind of sucks, but. Um, uh, super convenient. Hey, that's that's production and innovation at its finest. Uh, efficiency of consuming novels and books and 
you know, words and pages of knowledge that you believe in and love and you can take with you uh, as you're cleaning your kitchen at the same time. It's great. Uh, God bless innovation. Um, so it, it's just that kind of stuff and having this uh, hunger and thirst because just libertarianism and, and Bitcoinism, you know that it's kind of it, it has this this promise of just a better tomorrow, and it kind of it's it's kind of like the philosopher's stone in a way, like this new alchemy of, of knowledge and and truth and salvation and empowerment, and it's it comes from a position of self interest, but as as we know as Austrians, your self-interest is, is in the best interest of everyone else as well. Just, you know, that, that's how markets work. Um, so it's just that mentality that, that just kept me moving. And uh, I was also a little scared of not knowing what tomorrow holds as far as, like, the economy. So Bitcoin is at fault for me just learning more about economics and libertarianism in general, but also technology and understanding like what it, what is a blockchain and I mean what is a blockchain doesn't really matter, but the tech aspect of that just made me question basic things like how does the internet work? But there's layers of the internet. What is TCP/IP? Like what does all this mean? Should I learn how to code so I can like be employable for the rest of my life somehow? And I say that like I'm a super coder, like I'm not. I'm in the process of like relearning HTML, CSS, JavaScript. I kind of was dabbling in Python. I'll probably come back to it. I don't know. A lot of people, when they first start coding, they go through this vicious cycle of tutorials and learning what to learn and why and what's good for them. But just Bitcoin in itself, just uh, Brady from Citizen Bitcoin and of Swan Bitcoin, shout out to Swan Bitcoin. If you're not stacking sats with them, go fucking do it. Um, uh, promo code uh, swanbitcoin.com slash fill. Uh, you'll get 10 bucks of Bitcoin thrown at you, and I get a kickback. Anyway, um, Brady talks about Bitcoin being a Bitcoin renaissance, and that's ex- exactly what it, it is. It made me curious and wanted, it made me want to better myself. And learn about technology and the internet and how it works and learning how to code and learning these programming languages and learning more about economics and the history of money and gold and the whole game theory behind it. And it's just, I'm not the same person that I was six months ago. You know, it's almost, it's almost um, similar to that meme about being like a milk toast libertarian and then six months later he's like this vicious anarchist <laughs> it's kind of like that with bitcoin except you know i'm more i i don't I, I just feel better like as as a person like well there's there's a good it, meme it, in bitcoin you don't change bitcoin bitcoin changes you exactly exactly uh now i i'm kind of incentivized to like learn how to code and stuff because i I feel like when, uh, yeah, the biggest reason why I didn't get into it sooner is because it was just kind of scary. And granted, I wasn't as uh, intellectually like curious and want to put in the effort to, you know, download all this stuff. And man, I still haven't downloaded Bitcoin Core and ran a full node. Um, I'm kind of waiting for it to like get easier. I, I guess I don't know. 
Uh, but I'll do that. Recharge node launcher. Yeah, I, I think it's like I one know. click. <laughs> I know. I just I, I want to make sure all my shit's like set up nice and everything's like cleaned up and I have the right node and you know I do my homework and I I'm just distracted with like work and uh, other like projects I'm I'm doing. But um, anyway. Yeah, Bitcoin's a renaissance. It's challenged me to learn more, and I'm just a better person from it. And it's just so powerful how it can draw in people from, you know, even like real liberal types, like social justice, not warriors, but I don't know. You think like Silicon Valley people that want to do good. I mean, you have, uh, what's, what's the guy from the Human Rights Foundation? Alex Gladstein, mm-hmm. um, you know, he's not like a liberal or anything, but, you know, like the Human Rights Foundation, I mean, anyone, you know, any like lefty, like liberal to, of, of like any means should be down for that, like global change. So it's just, well, it can drag people from like that mindset. It can drag people in for, uh, you know, people say, I'm, I'm a Bitcoin for the tech uh, until you're not, of course. Because you learn about the economics of it and everything, so I can draw people from there. I can draw in people from the finance industry. I mean, uh, listening to like the Pompcast and just learning about like macroeconomics and learning more about how this, uh, you know, inflation works, and it draws in people in like that, like the quants, uh, like Plan B. Um, it's just it's crazy. You have all this diversity and all these skill sets. And all these different people, and they all gel together for the same mission of Bitcoin. And Bitcoin, yeah, it's sound money that could be the world reserve currency that's that can't be seized, and it, you know it's powerful, and it can birth a bunch of like st- stability, innovation, and prosperity on top of that. But you know, Marty Ben put out a newsletter saying that you know Bitcoin is a lot of the things to a lot of people. And there was an Al Jazeera article about Bitcoin being a volatile money for volatile times when your currency is hyperinflated and all you have left is Bitcoin to rely on in some third world country that you might be in, whether it's Lebanon, Venezuela, or Argentina, or whatever. And then it could just be a speculative asset that makes you really, really rich if you offer the short term. Or long term, we don't know when hyper Bitcoinization is going to happen. So you know, a use case is yeah, like making fiat off of it because we live in a fiat world. Unfortunately, I hope those people can learn to hodl their Bitcoin or and not you know sell all their Bitcoin for fiat. They should be selling as much fiat as they can for Bitcoin. I think most people should turn their four hundred one k whatever they spent or lost <laughs> rather. Uh, back in March, you know, they can turn that around and, you know, whatever exit if they invest in Bitcoin and take that out later down the road when they retire or not take it out. Who knows where we'll be in the future? But, you know, speculating on it is a use case. Hodling it is a use case because you believe in it. And even using it, uh, transaction with it on Lightning, doing that, you are contributing to the tech space. You're creating use cases for it. You're making things happen. You're a part of a movement. So, yeah, in that case, it is a medium of exchange. But uh, it, it can just mean so many people. So I mean, so many things to so many people. And 
the beautiful thing about it is that Bitcoin doesn't care because it's just there and it's just going to keep being there. And we've gone through trials and tribulations of, you know, so-called death spirals of the miners and the Bitcoin civil war and inflation bugs and all these characters coming and going and, you know, Bitcoin's unstoppable, man. It's anti-fragile for a reason. That's why. So no matter what you want to do with Bitcoin, it really doesn't matter at the end of the day because Bitcoin's going to be there. Uh, whether or not it's for you, um, you know, it doesn't give a shit, but it's going to be there. Yeah. Um, and uh, just to follow up with that, with talking about, you know, getting started and everything, we do have a page at mcflugel.com slash Bitcoin. That gives some Bitcoin resources. Obviously, I, which is I, really good. Go yeah, check it out. I, I recommend just getting started at 10hoursofbitcoin.com, which is the first link that's up there. And I have a list of books that I think are useful to go through. Um, you don't have to pick all of them. Um, but you should. Yeah. And then uh, I also listed the podcast um, that I listen to for Bitcoin as well. Um, so, and I agree, Phil, exactly what you said. You just have to want it. That's that's the biggest key. You got to want it, and because that that because otherwise, if you don't really want it, you just kind of sit there and be like, "All right, well, I want you to explain it to me, and I'm going to just ask and expect you to convince me," as opposed to someone. If you want it, you go like seek it out, and and you got to yeah, go for it, and you know, go find podcasts and start listening to them and reading books. <laughs> and there's ways that you can approach people in a way that they would understand Bitcoin. Um, Kirk just shared in the uh, crypto economy chat that uh, he said, I've got my dry powder ready and I want to get a few other people in. My mother stopped by this morning and said she wanted to buy some corn after watching Mike Novogratz on my Real Vision account. So, uh, yeah, I guess you know his mom might be into economics or whatever, but you know, uh, I can't put a face of Mike Novogratz, but, you know, these these well-dressed, like, professional people talking about Bitcoin as a good investment, that's one way. Um, another way I, I, I want to share, and your episode with the uh, Catholic, Catholic Bitcoiner Zero kind of inspired me. Yeah. Yeah. So I forget how, oh, I was talking to my mom uh over text and she was uh, they're they're pretty active uh with the uh church the the methodist church that they're with um so like not catholic but like whatever i the, the whole one of the shittiest things about this whole covid thing is uh, <laughs> yeah like we love separation of money and state but it's like now we're going back to like the old days of fighting for a separation of church and state and having these quotas of having people are allowed into your building uh, at your church and, you know, me thinking like, does that matter? Like if they go to your church, you shouldn't have to worry about that. Like who's watching over this cap size? Like you, you can't exceed 25% of like the total cap of like your church. Like who the hell would know? Like who's going to your church and who at your church are you having to question whether you can confide in them or not? Like, are you are you don't let narcs into your church uh, okay uh, so maybe you're not hanging out with the right crowd um but at the end of the day like does that matter like you know why 
why can't you just go worship outside? You know? I mean, Jesus didn't give a shit where he did his thing. <laughs> I, I don't know. But basically, somehow, I guess, like, God, like, worked through me. Or I don't want to sound douchey saying that. But I was going back and forth with my mom. And I I brought up the J.W. Weatherman <laughs> episode of uh him talking with you guys about having a great family and bringing up uh, how uh, how uh, God and just like, like spirituality is important and like having a family unit. Maybe you didn't go too much into that, but you know, I said to her, uh, "You should take. You should only take orders from the Holy Father Himself. His is only His is the only word that is sovereign, and living His word makes you sovereign from the state." And she said, whoa, where did that come from? Am I talking to Phil? And I'm like, of course. <laughs> and uh, like, this is me after trying to get her to listen to that J.W. Weatherman episode. And she was like, okay, now I really want to listen. Um, you can check up, up on me tomorrow evening. And then uh, I, I said, um, okay, well, like, don't talk – don't." I don't think they talk about like God directly in that episode, but I said, look, the point is governments are run by flawed individuals and are best managed at small levels. The larger they become, the more mismanaged and unorganized and corrupt they become. This is worsened by fiat money because those that grow powerful in government are closest to the money and, uh, you know, they're closest to the monetary, uh, fiscal spigot and they control monetary and fiscal policy and they will be uh, most vulnerable to corruption and temptation so they gain hubris to think that they can manage an entire economy which is playing god with our money and our freedom so they print money from nothing and bail themselves out while I lost my place shit shit Oh my god, hold on. <laughs> yeah, they print money from nothing and bail themselves out while we are taxed with inflation over time. This is a violation of our God-given rights of life, liberty, and property. Money is a representation of work and time. When governments print it from thin air and you know it's not backed by true hard valuable labor from the productive fruit-bearing private sector then that free and cheap money makes all of our work worthless. Our wealth becomes stolen and meaningless. Thou must not steal. Thou must not worship false idols. Well, unfortunately, we're tricked into doing both of these without even knowing it because we are presented lies by our institutions that, have, that don't have our own best interests in mind. This is wrong, and they're not incentivized to think of this because uh, uh, they are not held accountable. And, you know, bottom line, we shouldn't put faith and credit and mental real estate into these people. We should just, you know, uh, where to go, where to go, where to go. Yeah, well said. Uh, and then just to wrap this up, I mean, yeah. No, I told her, do not put faith and credit and mental real estate in these sinners. Because, uh, you know, just be good, love your neighbors, love your family, love and follow God. That's all you have to do. Everything else is a distraction. 
And although it's useful to know how the, the sausage is made and why things are the way they are, so long as you walk with Christ, he will inform you with everything you need to know. I like it. So, and I'm not like a big Bible thumper or anything, but you know, sometimes you just like have a feeling of like what's right and what's wrong. And, uh, like man drives innovation, but you know, I'm spiritual to some extent and God created man and I think he works through people. So whether or not he worked through Satoshi Nakamoto to create Bitcoin, that's another argument, but you know, part of my, uh, I, my my inner Stefan Molyneux wants to argue that's not an argument. <laughs> I'll just say, stay open, stay open to to it. I'm, I know you are. I know you're not closing off, but like, yeah. Um, uh, at least for me, I mean, I was a cradle Catholic, so I was born into it and kind of stayed a Catholic throughout my entire life. But um, as I mature in adulthood, um, understanding um, the faith. And my relationship with God and Jesus and um, how, how it all kind of comes together and, and how important it is. Um, especially, you know, I've been in, interacting with more of the traditional Catholics on Twitter and everything. Um, and, and, you know, they're kind of putting a lot of pieces together for me. So, And it's, it's very fulfilling. Um, it might seem weird or kind of difficult. Um, not that it's easy to, to lead a certain life, but um, it, it gives you a bigger picture, makes you more appreciative as a person too about you know what's kind of going on around you. So it's all good stuff. I uh, that's kind of my thing. I said I wrote an article um, about um, you know like at the end of the day, Bitcoin is kind of gonna make. And you kind of were talking about this earlier. Bitcoin's going to make everyone a libertarian. <laughs> Libertarians are going to become Bitcoiners. And I also think that it's going to have um, it's going to have that a similar effect with religion too. I think I think it's going to bring bring people to be uh, experience God better. It is a religion, religion, damn it! Church of Satoshi. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> cult and it's a religion um but no i i think it's i think that this this lowering of time preference that bitcoin's creating um will also kind of steer people in that direction too and that might be uncomfortable for people to hear they might not like me saying that for whatever reason um and that's fine check in with me in like 10 or 15 years <laughs> and we'll see where you are <laughs> Amen, but that, that's my prediction. Hey, least. hey, speaking of cults. Yeah. Are y'all stoked for the cult of Jodeberg this weekend? Yes, Chili Dose. I heard that's not a cult. It's not a cult. Oh, it's, it's not a cult. Fuck them, it's definitely a cult. <laughs> yeah, so uh, are you, uh, it's it's not, it, there's some changes going on with it. Yeah, I, I don't know. I'll, it. I'll, I'll talk to, to Jake and whatever. Are you going to be there? Yeah. Oh, cool. I don't know if I'm going to be there for like every day. Yeah, I'm but, gonna get uh, there. I think it's closer to me than I think it is. So yeah, it's about forty minutes northwest, west northwest of Austin. Cool. Um, but yeah, a new new location. It is now at Mule Shul. Ah, Mule Shul. Ah, man. 
I, I can barely speak, and uh, he picked probably the worst name. It's like me trying to say rear wheel drive. Mule Shul. Can't do just, it. Just get Mule... it out. <laughs> Slow down. Oh, man. This is, this is one of those moments where I wish I actually edited. All right. Mule oh. Shoe Bend Recreation Area. Cool. Um, so right uh, on the uh, Colorado River. And it will be uh, March, May 23rd through the, I guess, the 26th. So I'm going to get there. Um, I'm flying into Dallas. I'm going to make the drive down um, Friday evening. So I, I'll get there real late Friday night. And then I got to leave uh, well before dawn Monday morning to make the drive back to Dallas. I am not going through Colleen ever again. I will never you go. You didn't that. enjoy that trip? I did not enjoy that. I hope to never enter the city limits of Colleen, Texas, ever, ever again. But, um, yeah, you mentioned how did I buy the fruitcake in- ingredients? Well, here's the key. Here's the key to that. This is how you create, use fruitcake to generate wealth. You buy, you dump your fiat by buying the ingredients for your fruitcake, and then you sell the fruitcake for Bitcoin. Hell, yeah. Some free state. After you get approval Shit. from the FDA. Yeah, of, of course. Fuck but yeah, FDA. I, uh, I, last year I baked a uh, fruitcake for Childerberg and we did a little bit of a, uh, uh, a contest where if you paid $5, you could guess how heavy the fruitcake was. And we did. A <gasps> Are you doing Bitcoin this time? You, you can pay in Bitcoin. Um, you should make that mandatory. Well, if we make it mandatory, then I mean, I would never trade my Bitcoin for, for a 50, 50. But um, we're, we did a 50-50 where um, uh, half the money went to the winner and half the money went to uh, freeross.org to help to help uh, with his legal fees, which is a very worthy cause. And that's where any of the excess money that uh, they raised for Childerberg um, is going to go to support that. But um, Mason from the Tasting Anarchy podcast won the 50-50 last year. And um, being the great guy that he is, he donated his winnings back to uh to free ross and so he set the standard there so we're not saying that you know you have to do that but if you don't you will be judged severely <laughs> but yeah so I, uh, I i i bought started buying my fruitcake ingredients and since it's out of season for typical fruitcake making um i was not able to buy candied uh pineapple or candied cherries so uh, over the next Bastard. couple of days, I'm going to be candying my own uh, lemon, lemon peel, orange peel, cherries, and pineapple. So I started candying the pineapples tonight. So hopefully, uh, hopefully I'll be ready to go to to bake it uh, Wednesday night. Hell yeah! So, yeah, it'll be a good time. Uh, things got weird because of all the COVID nonsense. With Childerberg had to change locations. A lot of people had to. Weren't able to attend, but um, I think we're still going to have a uh, an excellent time. Um, if you listen to the uh, Peaceful Treason podcast, they had uh, Jacob um, from Tasting Anarchy who who organizes Childerberg, and he gave a uh, yeah. You know, they talked about it, um, kind of talked about the updates too. But I thought Jared did a really good job of of kind of giving an overview of what Childerberg was like and how awesome it really was, just to have people that. You know, you know from Twitter, and uh, you you get to meet him in person. And you know, we libertarians, for good reason, have certain reputations. <laughs> but um, it was, 
I, I completely agree with Jared that everyone there was just absolutely wonderful and awesome to hang out with. Um, you know, we everyone checked their libertarian personality at at the uh, at the door, and so it was just a bunch of great people having great conversations, hanging out, having a wonderful time. So sorry, I didn't mean to dominate um, that part of about Childerberg, but uh, you shouldn't worry about dominating because <laughs> I talked like eighty percent of this episode. Well, that's good. But you make, you that's make it easy best. for that's us. Why we brought you on the show? Yeah. Cool. I hope all that shit made sense. Did to me. I agree with you. <laughs> cool. But yeah, Job. why don't you, um, I don't know if you free market success story, uh, kind of dump that on you. Oh, fuck. I love these. Um, I don't know. It, it, we have Bitcoin. Is that enough? Yeah. Yeah. Someone, <laughs> okay. someone sent me one in a DM, um, a former guest that I want to, I don't want to do it injustice by not, uh, saying it well so we'll say that for another time but yeah bitcoin's a pretty good free market success story and oh, you know what even a better free market success story is is if you could tell us where people can find you and chill your stuff oh, i think you were about to say something oh, so man. say whatever you were going to say so oh well this this happened like back in uh december or i think before christmas is what past christmas but i bought a nice uh toothbrush and i thought the coupon that was next to it was for it but it wasn't but the lady was nice enough to give me like 30 bucks off. So it was a nice huge. Nice. So, oh, nice. Yeah. Bartering in, in the real world, sort of. Yeah. Um, but me, um, I am Phil Gibson, Mr. Sue, at a Mr. Sue on the Twatterverse. Uh, so that's where you can follow me. Uh, there's a Facebook and there's an Instagram. So search a boy named Sue um, on Facebook, or I don't know. Just download and subscribe to my podcast, A Boy Named Sue. It's predominantly a Bitcoin podcast. If you go back in the archives, it's more like there's some foreign policy stuff and this and that. And uh, I've just been kind of like weighing the waters of just my intellectual freedom, curiosity. And this is where I've wound up and I'm loving it. It's great. And yeah, but pretty much Bitcoin heavy focused. Uh, podcast uh, that it is so i have a lot of cool stuff and a lot of cool ideas coming out uh, my way um i'm predominantly a musician first i haven't spent enough time on it as i'd like but i'm just starting to get back into that um you know car campant says it best you know this whole freedom movement we gotta change the culture and music has spoken to me just like bitcoin has because you know there's two languages people can uh, you know that cross that that cross borders, money and music. You know, I think uh, if you combine both of those into like a beautiful medium, then you're changing the the culture in the best way possible. So uh, I play guitar and bass, and you know I'm all into like rock and roll and shit. So uh, the music that you hear on my podcast is actually me playing, and I think it's episode 101 or something. 105, I don't know. It's called uh, Big Boppers with Abram Olve. Uh, he's my friend who recorded the music of uh, that song. It's called Self with a Capital S. You can hear that full song at the end of that episode. Or you can even download that song for free at pgibs.io slash music. 
Uh, pgibbs.io is my website. Uh, pgibbs for Phil, uh, yeah, Phil Gibson. So pgibbs.io slash music, you can download that. You can download another song of mine that is on Spotify as well and everywhere else, but it's called A Cliffhanger. Uh, my artist name is Philo on there, uh, all capital letters, F-Y-L-O. Um, and then just some other uh, music stuff like the intro and outro. The Roto theme song, I wrote that. You can get that. That's on uh, yeah, which Fadcast episode that's on. But you can download that for free too, as well as um, uh, the Biting the Bullet uh, theme song intro. Uh, that was me. Uh, I made that for those guys. And if you want to download that for free as well, you can do that. And um, uh, I wrote in a couple articles on there. Uh, and yeah oh of course you know i'm a super shill um so swanbitcoin.com slash phil as i mentioned earlier i uh, you know stack sats responsibly accumulate bitcoin responsibly at the lowest fees possible fuck coinbase uh their fees are ridiculously high cash app uh it's, it's great um if anyone's going to start bitcoin somewhere it's with them but you know Swan's got the lowest fees, and it's made by a bunch of great dudes. I've interviewed almost every single person that works at Swan on my podcast. Corey Clipson, the CEO. Jan Pritzker, the CTO. Uh, also the uh, uh, author of the book Inventing Bitcoin. Great read. Go pick that up. Um, it's also an audible. You can listen to that. And I interviewed uh, 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 Brady from Citizen Bitcoin. He is the uh, head of education over there. Um, but yeah, swanbitcoin.com slash Phil, um, sign up there and, uh, you get 10 bucks worth of Bitcoin, uh, thrown your way. And I, I get a kickback with that. And you can also go to pgibs.io slash donate. And that's the shameless, uh, you know, my cash tag is there. If you want to send me some dirty, filthy fiat on cash app or my PayPal's on there too, I guess. But you know, I have to. I've yet to come up with some cool like tipping.me lightning kind of service and whatnot. Um, so I'll get, get to that eventually. But if anything, uh, download, rate, subscribe, review my show if you like what I had to say today, and you're into Bitcoin and freedom and all that jazz. Then uh, yeah, it's called a boy named Sue. Sue is spelled P-S-E-U. A boy named Sue. Uh, the artwork done by that was made by the fabulous uh, Dino Files. Uh, Dino, uh, he did that when I was on uh, his network. Uh, we're still great dudes, and look, uh, he's still a great dude, still good friends. Looking forward to seeing him at Schilderberg. Um And yeah, so he did the artwork for that. So shout out to him. But yeah, uh, download the the show, A Boy Named Sue, on everywhere you listen to podcasts. Uh, so subscribe to it. Rate it five stars and leave a nice review because that goes a long way. And um, Or you can just completely uh, think it's a piece of shit and not listen. Uh, but if you think that, maybe your friend will think otherwise. So share it with them because value is subjective, as we all know, as the good Austrians as we are. Shill over. All right, great. So we'll have uh, stuff on mcflugel.com slash 199. Ooh. Yep. Ooh. Almost 200. Episode 200 next. I don't know what we're going to do for that, but it'll be great. But uh, yeah, um, kind of what uh, tacking on to what Phil just said, you know, best thing you could do for us is, is share this podcast out. So if you like what you're doing, well, if you like what we're doing, maybe we could get your little like, share, review song on, on our on our episode. 
Oh, hell yeah, I'll send that. <laughs> it's very I good. Send, send you good. all the bumpers. I'll send you them all. It would just sound like, <laughs> what the fuck is this? Just play it all at the same time. But yeah, best thing you could do is share it out wherever you listen. Leave a rating and a review. At, uh, it helps us helps us get out there. We appreciate you listening. So with that, we will... Uh, thanks for listening. We'll catch you next week. Peace.